Welcome to the Agency Journey Podcast, where we connect with agency leaders to uncover the hidden systems and processes that drive their success. Now, let's dive into today's show. Hey, as we're diving into today's episode of Agency Journey, let me tell you real quickly about our sponsor, Aribi. Aribi is a super cool on-one marketing analytics tool. They've got Google Analytics squarely in their sites right now. And I can remember setting up Google Analytics as a sophomore in college and thinking this was just the coolest platform. And as it's matured, it's still super powerful, but it's become so complex to deal with. And Aribi has a value prop totally aside from this. But what I absolutely love about my experience plugging Aribi into Zenpilot.com is I didn't have to mess around with setting up what events I wanted to capture and tracking all my changes. And if I messed up a view, then it would, it would delete all the data that I had. I just plugged it in, it crawled, it captured all, our, all of our events, made it super easy to see our funnel. And it just works. I love being able to see, for example, how many people read the definitive guide to click up for agencies, a blog post that I wrote, I don't know, six months ago. See where those folks come from, how that influences the buying process, the funnel, the way that it works out. So super excited to have Aribi as a sponsor. You can check it out. Go to aribi.io slash agency journey. It's all one word. If you spin up a free trial there, use the coupon code agency journey. Same thing, all one word. That'll give you 20% off any plan, which is super generous of them. And remember, they can track all of our conversions. So, so check them out. Um, that's aribi.io. We appreciate their sponsorship. Let's get on with the episode. All right. Welcome into another episode of Agency Journey. I'm Gray McKenzie. This week, I've got the privilege of bringing on Remington Bag from Impulse Creative. Remington, you're the first person officially other than myself and Andrew, who's been on the podcast three times now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, hopefully it's a good thing. <laughs> oh, it, it's a good thing. Uh, we talked way back in 2016. So it's been five, a little over five years since we first yeah. had you on. Then again, little right around three years ago in 2018, where we were talking about your like um, model of the T-shaped agency. Yep. And, uh, and then you guys have continued to evolve a lot and, and grow a lot. Um, you and the Impulse crew. When you say Impulse, do you just say Impulse if you're talking about it internally or do you say Impulse Creative? Uh, technically, internally, we call it Impulse Creative, but for friends, we can call it Impulse <laughs> Okay, Impulse Creative it is. I'll program that into the brain. Uh, I love it. ImpulseCreative.com is the site. You guys have built a ton of cool stuff. You've got cool tooling for agencies that we'll talk about as well. Um, but the last time that we spoke with you, you'd gone through a big transition. Now, three years later, go figure. You've also uh, transitioned a lot. So the, here's the place that I want to start, though, because there's a million different threads to pull on. If you go to the solutions uh, dropdown right now on ImpulseCreative.com, you've got Revenue Engine, Brand Engine, and Technical Engine. You talk about what's what. So RevOps has become, I don't know who was talking about RevOps in 2018, but that's become a, a super common. This is like the Which new account. Yeah. Um, yeah. So tell me a little bit about the way that you're packaging services right now and how you guys have shifted the business. Yeah. So last year, um, last year was a, a, a year of qu quiet reflection. I don't even think it was quiet. I think it was a lot of people screaming and reflecting at the same time. Yep. But the um, we had made a plan in January of last year, um, January 2020. Um, to really kind of um, shift into this next phase of being a little bit more growth growth centric in regards to trying to help a company beyond marketing. You know, um, a lot of agencies are trying to do it with like sales enablement. Um, and, you know, but we're, we noticed that the people that were doing it really well, um, we're friends with people like Imagine Business Development, um, Doug Davidoff, right? He came from a sales point of view and he was 
he was doing it really well, like bleeding into marketing. But we talked to a lot of people are having a lot of problems from marketing bleeding into the rest. Um, and it's because it's a different ment- it's a different mental game uh, when we start thinking about revenue operations or operations in general. Um, and it's a different expectation. And so in January, we started like reflecting on um, what's what's working well for the agency, what isn't working well for the agency, um, where 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 have we had the most fun in the past twelve months? Where would we like to have more fun in the next twelve months? And um, that was like the beginning conversation on it. And we were like, you know, we really want to think bigger picture. We do really well when we have more context in the in the company. And that was the start of it. February happened and we're like, huh. And then we got to kind of test that. Um, We had two large projects that we were working on. Um, One was marketing only. And one was um, this more RevOps mindset focused one. And uh, it was the day after the stock market tanked. The marketing one's like, peace, we're done. You can keep your money. And the other one was like, we really need help. We need to transition our company. We really need to focus on this digital transformation. Impulse is going to be, now I'm doing it. Impulse Creative is going to be pivotal in helping us achieve this. And that was like a big flag for me on, huh, we just had this conversation a couple months ago. And now this is like happening in real time. And um, the subsequent months that project executed uh, beautifully, we lost uh, about 20% or so of our retainer-based revenue. And we made some pretty conservative bobs and weaves, um, both on a product basis, um, from a project basis in regards to how we address the market. And then um, in May, completely flipped the outside-facing story uh, for Impulse Creative. Right, It was no longer... Uh, slow, calculated, and right. It was fast momentum expertise, right? And it was because people needed to bob and weave, and they didn't want to take 14 months to to bob, right? Right? Because we didn't know how long things were going. So, um, so we made that shift, and then um, noticed that we started seeing this wind of even in all the uncertainty, this wind of different questions in the sales process and different. Um, overall flows. And it was pretty interesting because it was just messaging change on the outside, mostly. That had yeah. Hmm. So, have Sorry, there's a lot there. well, there, there's a lot there. So, heavier, oh, let me ask a couple different questions. One is how much of the business prior to this was retainer based? And is that, is it still primarily retainer based? Yeah. So, we have never uh, done the blind HubSpot playbook of 90% retainer. That's dangerous. I think 90% of anything is dangerous. Um, we very, we've tried to be between 60 and 65% retainer, um, uh, 40, um, 35 to 40%, um, project-based. And, um, that has allowed uh, for us to have an engine that could keep up if we needed to like fill the tank or slow down, depending on like the bobs and weaves. So we had, um, we were, we were around 65%, um, in March. Uh, first quarter was really great for us the previous year uh, in 2020. So that also helped. We had a pretty good growth trajectory until things slowed down in, in April. Um, but with the retainers leaving, there was a lot of tiny projects that um, that started flowing in of, oh, like, 
I need a website. Like the fact that we're having this conversation in 2021 and people still say, oh, I need a website because they don't have one. Um, it was happening a lot. Mm. Um, and then the operational stuff was pretty huge. Like we don't, we never had a CRM and now our salespeople can't go out and do things. Um, how do we track it? No right. one can come to the office, whatever those things are. Um, project, the project area of the business was um, a savior in that point. We just had Todd Tasky on a podcast here a couple episodes ago. Um, mergers and acquisitions for agencies. And we went yeah. uh, pretty far into that one. From a PE perspective, looking at acquiring a business, yep. big on, I want to see as much retainer revenue as possible. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if we ever covered that on the podcast at, at all, but why you're saying we don't yep. want to, we're intentionally not having the highest percentage possible of retainers. Yep. There's a couple thoughts that come to mind right away. One is obviously your, if you, those aren't managed well, that's where agencies right. get you a lot of trouble. Is a yep. retainer becomes a blank, a you know, a blank area to go lose money. Yep. The other one is team turnover. So if you've got somebody leave and all of a sudden you're understaffed, but you're committed to being understaffed for six more months, that's a tough situation to be in. Right. Which is current state. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but what's the, yeah. what am I missing that are those the primary reasons? What are the primary reasons that you've got and where does that ratio come from? Yeah. So ratios um, come from more of a, you know, we've had the agency since 2007. So it's, I think it's one of those things where we've been up around 80, we've been down around 40. Um, you know, ultimately we want to have retainers covering enough of payroll and expenses to allow for us to do stretch and and have some capacities to bring stuff on um i think a big a big thing if you're 90 percent retainer and you have 10 people and you lose one person you're in trouble um and you know so having having some flexibility from a contractual obligation to your clients is really valuable you know um knock on wood if we lost someone we could have some some one or two or partial person cover for some kind of piece of the pie, you know, from a retainer standpoint to make it so the client experience doesn't really get faltered. Um, I learned a big lesson way back when the first time that we talked, um, we talked about agency poaching and stuff. And that was right. a big area because we lost a lot of talent and a lot of it was around the retainer side of the business. And we lost a lot of it. Um, and couldn't really do anything about it. And the, um, I think as we start to look at those numbers, um, if you can show, this is my opinion, if you can show ongoing um, pipeline and show that you have this well-oiled machine that can generate those projects and keep that revenue running and also have the same thing on the retainer side, I think anyone that looks at your P&L um, for acquisitions or otherwise is going to realize that there's two machines running. Um, Quite efficiently, profitability yeah. super important. Um, but I think knowing the numbers is is really big too. Um, and then this year, those percentages now have a third. I say a smaller cousin um, is the product side of the business right. that that we're incorporating in. I want to get to the product side before we get there. Yeah. Uh, if I come in right now, what am I? Am I starting with a paid assessment? Am I, and this is obviously you, you're saying, Hey, there's variability here between projects yeah. and whatever else. Is that split mostly the front end is projects? Some of those convert to retainers or some people are going directly to retainers. Other people are just meant to be projects. Funny. It's, um, it's almost been like a pendulum swing over the past 18 months. Um, 
not necessarily like us changing policy as much as it's the market changing. No one wanted to commit to anything that was longer than a week right. last year. Um, and now we find almost the inverse. They're like, I have budget. I need to make sure that I have the budget allocated for it. Um, we we're always um, discovery first. So like you could pay us, you could say, hey, I want to pay for a $10,000 retainer um, over the next 12 months. Month one is always going to be communicated as and will be hopefully very detailed in regards to it's going to be a discovery phase and maybe some execution if there's like low hanging fruit. Um, but we've got we've got some more. Um, um, we've got some more technically advanced or, or smarter clients coming in, right? They're, they Maybe they don't have the team that they used to have and they need some help with executing. And we historically haven't had that in the past. Like we're like, hey, inbound marketing is really cool. You should try it. And like, let's build a plan. Now it's, you know, what are you trying to accomplish? What, what, what dials can we turn in order to get the biggest return on effort? Um, and so those conversations have changed. And then now more recently, I've been in the hot seat for sales. We're having these conversations where the problem's already diagnosed. It's which path is the right path to go. And I think that agencies get stuck in um, one way is the right way. When the answer is actually there's a hundred ways to do this the right way, which one's the best way, right? right. And and kind of looking at it that way. So we're a little bit more flexible. Um, I'd say right now probably thirty percent of the com- the clients come in, um, they're diagnostic or discovery only. Um, most of them are coming in like, yeah, we just want to commit to moving forward. Um, this is our problem. So uh, with a more flexible approach then. Staffing yeah. for that is always the challenge. Yep, um, yep. How do we do that? So are you guys structured as, hey, we've got an account manager or a strategist, they're the quarterback, in which case you get a, you, know, you get kind of premium skill set who yep. can diagnose and say, here's the right uh, plan for you. And then a team of specialists to implement. Yeah. Um, what's, this, what's the team structure? So I'm going to put a disclaimer in here, um, like I usually do on these, um, just because I'm sharing this is, this is how I'm doing it, yep. not how you should do it. Um, so Julie and Audrey are my two directors. Um, Audrey runs the brand and DevOps side of the business. Um, Julie runs the RevOps services side, RevOps and growth services side of the business. The um, on the RevOps and growth services side of the business is usually um, two and a half um, points of contact at any given time. Helps with redundancy, um, and then relatively similar on the the project side as well. So. Where when we come in and we're doing the discovery and the diagnostics, some of that burden's coming from the sales side, and then um, the director or strategist level is helping with the initial goalposts. Yep. And then the, then it's kind of a team effort in regards to defining defining and putting together the scopes from there. Makes sense. Um, cool. The product side is. Uh, super interesting. I've seen a bunch of this stuff pop up. Uh, talk to folks who've used different components of what you've built. Yeah, uh, I've used. I posted a job on jobs.sprocketalk, the um, the job board that that you guys um, put up. So tell me, let's start high level, just in terms of products. Yeah. What's the approach? How did 
how did that, where did that come from? And then, uh, and then we'll go into the specifics of the, the different suite, the uh, products in the suite that you have. Yeah. So this, um, I, I commanded the team or talked to the team and like put goalposts up that we want to figure out a way the market agencies aren't going to love this. Um, I wanted to tell, I wanted to tell our team, we need to find ways to cut our costs in half and increase our profit and double our profits at the same time. And those are opposing forces. It forces you to rethink how things are done, why they're done. Like, why are we, why are we doing it this way? Um, because we have, like, we tell people like marketing's not the way you've always done it. It's something different. Yet as marketers, we have a playbook that we play every single time. Right. Um, so we came in and, um, we started asking ourselves, like, how do we make it so that we can be more nimble, we can drive more value and we can fight that whole hour by hour cost. Right. And for us, it was productizing our service delivery. Like we've talked a lot historically about how like documenting processes that need more than three steps, it, it kind of fits the mold in that regard. So I couldn't find a job board to post like I miss inbound.org like that OG like right. let me put it up and let's have people like know what's up um and we and when we started looking at the effort we're like wow this doesn't exist in the marketplace and I threw it up and um ten dollars for 30 days in the job posting so I can offset some of my um HubSpot costs because it's all built on HubSpot um nothing crazy it's not they're supposed to be making money it's proving a use case and then it's showing kind of the what's possible. Um, but we have other products like, um, our theme, uh, evolve theme, which is like a, it's more of a framework than it is a theme it is technically a theme in HubSpot, but has all the pieces that we would use as the, as the bedrock foundations for what we build at impulse allows for a quicker time to develop or time to build, um, cheaper, right? Everyone's like, Oh no, it's cheaper. Like, yeah, it's cheaper. Why would someone pay us to build this huge house when they're only going to live in one room or we're like, let's get it up and moving. Um, and so that came, that came at the fruit of, um, you know, the COVID year, but then we started building more specialized things like hub LMS and hub LMS is a learning management system on HubSpot hundred percent. And we deployed that. And that has been, has had an extravagant response. Um, I think some great timing. Um, in regards to, oh crap, I need to onboard customers and employees and stuff without being able to see them in real life. Um, to now we have, you know, as HubSpot's releasing these features, we've got more and more capabilities that are available, building out these productized offerings that allow for us to deploy a framework or a foundation and then customize rather than rebuild from the ground up. We don't have the talent to spend a hundred hours on developing the software all over again. Why not just tell the client that we won't rebuild it all over again, that we have the expertise of it, and then we'll we'll throw some polish on it and make it theirs. And it's working out really well for us. So, so this year we'll probably end up uh, probably twenty percent of our revenue will be product based. Wow! Um, and then that enables both retainer business and also our service business. Right. Right. That makes a lot of sense. What's the company OS product? Yeah. So company OS is a framework that we built that is leveraging HubSpot's uh, CRM objects. So deals, tickets, um, deals, tickets, contacts, companies, um, 
you know, as the standard ones, but then also now HubSpot CMS Enterprise has, um, you know, has the functionality to allow for custom objects where we can put whatever we want in. And that's been really great. So we're um, like for Impulse, we have a, uh, a services object where that's, that's the portal that the client goes into. Um, we deployed in the HubSpot app marketplace, a PRM or partner relationship management software. Um, we're having huge response to that. People are like, wait, I don't have to pay 10, $15,000 a month for like a fully featured PRM system. I could just live on HubSpot and be automated. What? Like, it's just like people are kind of not thinking that way. Um, so right now we have an Academy version um, that allows for a lot of the feature set. We're going to be publicly announcing announcing that here in the next couple of weeks. Um, similar functionality to even what HubSpot has in regards to sharing certifications and um, different lesson types and stuff. Um, and then we have just the company OS itself as a framework for us to be able to build these dashboards. So we have like deal rooms, custom quote templates, um, all sorts of things. It's almost like a Swiss army knife in regards to, I want my salespeople to be able to see a, a map of all the locations um, of, their, of their deals based on where they are. No problem. Right. You know, we right. can start pulling that data in automatically. So it just enables sales to do or enables the teams to do and deliver um, more efficiently. And at the same time, should enable the customers to have a, a more pleasant experience, which is really to the nature of RevOps in general. Right. It's optimizing um, and increasing efficiency. That's great. I would imagine there's an element to there. Um, going back to our Guava Box days, um, we didn't ever go super deep into the HubSpot templates, but built out some basic things that had, uh, you know, little pieces of functionality that other HubSpot stuff didn't have right. by nature. And that led to a number of deals from folks who found us because they went searching for a specific template, found ours, purchased it. Hooked it yeah. up. This is great. Now we'd love to customize it. And it was a great lead gen machine more than an actual like front end gen, uh, revenue generator. Yeah. Are you in it? So specifically building out like company OS, building stuff that you maximize if you're an enterprise client probably gets you in front of the types of folks who'd love to be in front of. Um, right. As well. Exactly. And it's solving and it's addressing a problem. You know, everyone past, uh, past people have said like niche down like hard, right? I know a lot of people that niche down really hard to restaurant that don't exist anymore or niche down really hard for travel and are just really struggling right now. I learned that lesson in the last recession that like, yeah, sure, niche down and focus, but understand, like have, have something else. We're taking that niche down effect into like subject matter or pain points and figuring out where we need to go. So like, oh, we heard the same, the same pain. Like, how could we optimize for that? How could we deploy a solution that doesn't take six to eight months to deploy, takes two to three weeks to deploy? Like there, you know, that, um, that triangle, saw it a long a long time ago on a um, back of a truck it was like fast better cheaper like pick two and you had to pick the two that were connected like we can start to optimize for a third point if we're doing it smarter from a company standpoint sure it's not as expensive but if we can deploy it quick you know the solution is accepted and it's easier to support if it's systemized so yeah a lot of fun uh, it's every developer's favorite thing to say is you can have it fast, good, or cheap. Like you pick, right. you pick two of them. 
And when you get laser focused on one specific type of problem, it makes it way easier. You're building something reusable yeah. that allows you to say good does not always equal custom. I think it, yeah. developers love it because in their mind, good most of the time is analogous to custom. More. Yeah. But but it's really not uh it's really not custom. It's have you, have you solved that same problem a ton of times over? And if you if you can and have, then you're able exactly. to deliver on all three, all three vectors, which is cool. hundred percent. Give us a couple of the, we'll include these in the show notes too, but in case people are listening and want to check it out uh, right now, aren't on the show notes, uh, company OS. So the job board is jobs.sprockettalk.com. Yep. Com. yep. And then uh, how about company Hub LMS and company OS? Yeah. Company, Hub LMS. Uh, we just bought the .com. So it's hublms.com. Um, and then we have company os.impulsecreative.com or you could search for company OS in uh, um, HubSpot app marketplace and you can see the video for the PRM system. That's awesome. Yeah. What um I'm curious about how you guys are managing um you you've got all this different stuff that you can do. You've got tech, yeah. you've got the services, <laughs> you've got the retainers. Yep. And a lot of it, I would imagine we've talked about some of it, but yeah. Um there's a lot of stuff that flows together. The same customer at different points in their journey mm-hmm. should be in one bucket or another or two buckets at the same time or all three buckets at the same time. Yep. Um, I'm curious about how you have that set up in terms of who's running the account, how your accounts team can uh, get people to a point where, hey, here's the next product in the suite that you ought to consider looking at, or here's the, here's the next piece in the relationship. Um, have you designed for that? And I don't, you know, if you ask me in our business right now, like the biggest revenue, if you came in from the outside and were to optimize our revenue, yeah, we've got all these customers. We're helping them streamline their processes. We're helping them get launched and click up, and we're just scraping the service in terms of what we can do, or the surface in terms of what we can do on the back end, helping them right. um, scale and optimize that experience for them. Um, so you guys may be farther along. You might be in the same place that we are, but how is that designed right now? Yeah, so we have um, we have our own company on us, uh, which helps. So we, we've got an area of the business that we've been toying with, but um, it was very heavy sprocket talk. Now we're calling it learning ops where George and Dan on the team are, their job is teaching how to use HubSpot, but then also onboarding customers. Um, we have the project and um, the RevOps teams, right? And those, all of them are running off of similar playbooks in regards to, they all come into the system. The dashboard is ours. The dashboard that the client gets to see shows their services. And based on what they purchased, it also shows related content and also shows related services. So we are thinking more like a software rather than a service base. And so there's this like, oh, I didn't know you did that. Just naturally that happens. Um, a lot of times, not we're still deploying and finishing this up for some um, some segments of our company as well. But you know, the onboarding side they start the calls with a share of the screen that shows all of the stuff that we can do or have done, um, which is really helpful as well. Um, and so, so that's a little bit more natural, a natural flow. I think that as we start to think through some of these things, we're having more engaging conversations because the products are solving the pains that a lot of our customers have or have had. So it's a natural, oh, I want to know more about that. And it comes across as a, um, pain relief rather than a pain point because it's 
I don't want to have to think about doing that. That sounds like it'll hurt rather than, uh, oh, it's already figured out. And so we've been trying and we're, we've got another wave of slight adjustments to our, our messaging to kind of reinforce that. Um, but to answer your question directly, from a UI standpoint, we're trying to incorporate and introduce content, but also introduce services as well that just makes sense. Um, yeah. <clears throat> okay, you're putting it in front of people. I'm doing everything I can right now to dummy proof a lot of our stuff. So one of the things I want to connect with yeah. you about uh, off air is Avoma yeah. and how you're using yeah. it. And so we'll take a tool like Avoma that we've been using for a couple months here. Interview agencies who are using it. If it's a, if it's like, hey, this is the best tool for this specific use case. Find out yeah. what agencies are doing. What what are they doing best? What's worked for us? And we'll put together some training. And then when that'll get involved included in our process library that we're giving to agencies and rolling out. And so then the tech stack that we want agencies using or would recommend, hey, if you're looking to solve this problem, here's the tool that we've seen work the best and has seen work the best across other agencies. We can give it there. And so instead of me having to remember to tell somebody or our entire team needing to know every single in and out of every tool, it's all a centralized database there. People can should know about it. There should be training. But so I love the way that you're approaching that. Um, that makes a lot of sense. And I think agencies, there's a huge opportunity for optimization there in agencies. Oh, yeah. We've got all these other resources. We're going to do the same thing with service partners. Here's, you're telling me about the uh, accounting and bookkeeping firm that, right. uh, or that, you know, basically your CFO type partner. Um, how do we take those recommendations and put them in? Hey, here's, if you're an agency looking to solve these problems, here's the service partners that you know, we don't touch the sales side. You should talk to Joey right. Gilkey at Sales Driven Agency or, you know, whoever the, uh, whoever those recommendations are. So I love that approach that you guys yeah. are taking. So I think what's interesting about what you were just saying was from a resource standpoint, that's where like the LMS can be for us for onboarding employees too. So um, we just brought on three developers um, within a three week period of each other. We we brought them all on. It's a lot of change for a 15 to 18 person agency, right? Yep. Um, we built out a curriculum for them. In regards to like, this is how we do it. This is our current standard process. This is all the pieces. We deployed it in our own internal LMS. It's there. And now it's real. Um, even before we were like, how do we prefer to code? Is it camel case? Is it using dashes? Like whatever those things are, right? And all of a sudden it's like, it's more stringent. Um, that part's worked out great. But what I love about what you just said around the partners is, and I was just on a call with um, Alex Glenn uh, from Partner Programs. Yeah. And one of the things I talked about is like, we'll vet a partner and then we'll bring in and ask them to do a demo and have it recorded, but then call out the things that are like compelling use cases. Um, that time savings, having that and not having to go back through and do that demo and making it more async is more valuable than a lot of times the services that we offer. In, in regards to the client doing something. Cause I think everyone's like, oh, they're competing against other agencies. No, we're actually competing against doing nothing. Right. And that doing nothing is much more comfortable. I can sit on the couch and do nothing versus like actually doing and focusing on an area. So like having the plan, exuding the confidence, but then also having a resource that is like silver platter. Right. I mean, that's how Amazon's winning. Right. Um, and so I think that, we could, as agencies, we can take that book and 
weave that ribbon throughout yeah. um, pretty easily if we stopped and think. For sure. Um, I'm going to bring up one other thing, which is around the team side. So yeah. you're hiring right now. I want to say it's impulsecreative.com slash career. Correct. Yep. And I remember seeing that you've got like a growth marketer role. I think there's an inbound marketing role, content yep. side of things. Um, in terms of who you're recruiting, yep. maybe you can share the roles real quickly. We can give a shout out to those the specific roles right now. And obviously when this goes live, that maybe slightly different. We're probably going to check it out. Three, three weeks, three, three weeks ahead of time. So check out the URL to see what, what the opportunities are. And then I'm curious about what you found the best results outside of jobs.sprocketdoc.com. Yep. Uh, um, where else are you finding people? So um, hiring's hard right now. Um, we're a remote agency. We've been, we were mostly remote for several years. Um, and we're, we're not just competing. Like it, being remote was a level up in um, January of 2020. Um, being remote is a requirement now in, was it June 2021 yep. now? I don't know how it's June. I feel like it should be February, right. but, um, but that's another story. Um, so, so that was, that was a big shift we had. Um, it's easily taken twice as long to hire, um, with the same tactical ways and reasons and, um, same brand, uh, exposure that we've had historically. Um, uh, it's easily taken twice as long, which means twice as expensive, which means like there's downstream effects to that. So putting that out to everyone, it's hard. Um, so you have to figure out how do we define step, like step out, like look at your employer plan employer brand like how well is it working are you going to compete against gardner or hubspot for that matter or any of these larger like SaaS companies you're going to have to figure out ways to to stand out um we're real big on uh we have human as the acronym for our guiding principles and helpful understanding meticulous authentic and noteworthy as like the key um the key tenants of the individual Putting that out in the universe has been really helpful um, because people are like, oh, yeah, I really I don't like that about this part of my organization. I want to be around people that are um, or vice versa. It's a great way for us to measure. Um, but going back to the, the actual position. So we're hiring a UX designer. Um, we are um, we have already hired one. We want to bring on a second. Um, we are toying with the idea of bringing on another salesperson. It's probably going to be. June as of this recording, it's probably going to be at least four to six weeks till we do make a decision on that one. Um, and then we are hiring for a content um, content marketer. Primary focus is copywriting and also strong SEO chops is preferred. Um, and then we're hiring a senior uh, growth marketer for Impulse Creative. They would be the marketer that advertises us. We are their only client. They will not touch client work other than client interviews. Um, and the big tenant there is, um, we don't want them to follow a playbook. We want them to create a playbook. And that's probably one of the harder parts is marketers are really good at following playbooks. We're bleeding edge. I'm not supposed to say that we're, I'm supposed to say we're cutting edge. Yeah. Um, but our approach to things is not the same as normal. Um, it's not the same as what's out. So it's not an easy job, but it's, a, it's a huge opportunity. Um, and we've got so many things in the hopper. 
It's a matter of getting the megaphone out and putting it in the right direction and then going. So we're, we're stoked about that one. Me personally am, because that'll take some lift off of me. Right. And um, yeah, impulsecreative.com slash careers. Check us out. Hit me up on LinkedIn, whatever you want. Carrier pigeon. That's right. Awesome. Yeah. Well, we're, we're at time. I would love to, there's a bunch more to, uh, to pull you in. So that'll be, that'll be part four here. We'll continue the Remington bag. But Remington, this has been a blast to have you on. Thank you for coming on again. Any other, uh, any other shout outs that you want to give here as we're wrapping up any other places we mentioned the website, mentioned the careers page, any other places to point people? Um, just hit me up on Twitter or, um, or even Facebook messenger at Remington bag. Uh, please don't email me. <laughs> exactly. Just hit me up on either of those. Happy to answer any questions. We're a pretty open book, especially. Awesome. Thanks, Remington. Thanks for listening to the Agency Journey podcast. Visit agencyjourneyinsiders.com to join the podcast community and be sure to subscribe for future episodes.